The future of sport is female. Whether you're watching Daisy Pierce stream down the wing, taking in Elise Perry putting a couple of seam bowlers to the sword, or admiring a Caroline Wozniacki forehand, chances are you've noticed the growing influence of women's sport in Australia and abroad. And it's not just professionally, with participation rates at amateur and junior clubs skyrocketing. So what does this all mean to one of Australia's unsung sporting legends? Sue Safranos is a lacrosse champion, having represented Australia and Victoria for over two decades, as well as a decorated career in coaching and mentoring. For our last episode of 2018, we chat about the exponential growth of women's sport, what this growth means to someone like Sue, who has spent her whole life fighting against preconceived ideas and attitudes towards women's sport, the empowerment of those playing in your team while placing a premium on mental health and well-being. Sue is one of those Australian treasures who set the tone for women's sport moving from the fringe to the mainstream. And what a way to end the year here on Generation Balm. back for another week of Generation Balm. I'm joined by uh, Neil, as always. Neil, how are you on this uh, Monday evening? Can't wait. Excellent. Uh, actually, I was thinking about just uh, ways to start the show, because of course we always have lovely guests in the uh, in the uh, Punt Road Oval studios. Uh, but I Taking thought... the limelight of us, yeah, that's what <laughs> happens. <laughs> I, thought, I thought last week we had a bit of a discussion about, uh, about certain things. I'm not going to go with the same pattern of uh, tattoos and piercings that we went went down last yeah. week. I'm a bit predictable all... on those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Except for Dusty, you can do what he likes. <laughs> I was thinking about um, a lot of people uh, these days, I think, struggle with in, with debating and with arg- arguing. There's a lot of uh, straight to zero to 100 sort of stuff with people getting very angry. Um, formulating, uh, it seems, you know, people are very passionate, fair enough. But I thought, you know, in a, way, in a way, that whole high school debating thing of listening to the other person's uh, point of view is really, is, well, not exciting stuff, but it, it's interesting stuff. So I thought I'd, I'd come out with an argument that I've, I've sort of thought up over the past few days, and then you can critique it. And from there, we can, we can discuss and we can move forward, uh, move forward as, as a father-son combination. You know I go straight to the outcome, don't you? <laughs> yes. There's not a lot of mucking around. <laughs> and I think I'm... Yeah, pretty much the opposite there. But let's 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 try and dig into uh, some critical analysis here. So last week in the news, uh, one of your favourite uh, performers, Taylor Swift, well maybe not yours, but Taylor Swift, one of the uh, one of the great, uh, well I suppose she's a rock star, country star, pop star, uh, one of the biggest in the world, uh, came out and declared her support for the Democrats in the upcoming midterm elections in Tennessee. Now, Taylor Swift apparently has very rarely spoken about politics. Maybe it's divisive for her fans. She's from the South. Um, anyway, her voice is clearly you know, quite influential. So when she came out and said she's supporting the Democrats and she has no time for the Republicans and the Republican candidate in Tennessee, it was quite powerful. However, I noticed, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but Kanye West was in the, in the White House a couple of weeks ago with our mate uh, Donnie. And they were having a, an interesting conversation, and he was wearing, you know, the classic MAGA hat, "Make America Great" hat. I was, I was, I was considering about how we sort of put creatives and, and sports people and that sort of thing on a pedestal with their uh, political opinion, but at the same time, there's the argument against that of they should just stick to what they know. Now, my argument that I put to you, and take it as you <laughs> take it as you will, uh, is now more than ever. 
We look to the people whose work we love, respect and admire, but do not personally know, to help us through complex and divisive ideas. I'll use the example personally of uh, Bruce Springsteen, Frank Ocean, close to home, Dan Sultan. I love and respect them as artists and people, clearly do not know them uh, at a, on a personal level, but I feel like I kind, of, I kind of do. So when they speak about something important like politics or religion or something like that, I'll take that into account more than I would with you know, the Joe Blow off the street. Um, so now you've heard my argument here, well, not so much an argument as a point of view, I want to know uh, how has this changed uh, from you know you coming at it from a sixty-seven sorry a an aging man's sixty-six sixty sorry. Why do you think uh, we give so much weight and attention to figures like Taylor Swift and Kanye West uh, when it comes to important societal uh, decisions? Well, it's a it's a very very big question. I don't think it's ever been any different. I think we always look for people who, the cognoscenti, if you like, we say, well, what do they think? And they may well know, so we should follow. I think the weakness in the system now is that I don't think any of the cognoscenti are a part of the political parties. Right. I get the feel, right. oh, there's some, I know, but I think generally, I don't think we trust them. I think we look at them and go, even all of the stuff that's happened for the last seven or eight years in Canberra, either either of the major parties, all they've done is fought amongst themselves and had leadership changes in the middle of term the whole time. Mm. And most of us sit back and go, that doesn't make no difference. Him, him, her, her, what difference does it make? Mm. Like it doesn't make much, it hasn't made much difference to the outcomes. And it's all just been about their party political bickering and a bit of power mongering and... And some of the stuff that you hear come out of it, it's disappointing. Mm. So I'm almost happier to hear what Taylor Swift thinks than I am, or even Kanye West, whoever the hell he is, <laughs> rather than the people they're with, rather than Donald Trump or whoever else, the, who's the Democrat gherkin is. I don't even know who well, they are. Yeah, I mean, at the minute, it's still being tossed up uh, in terms of the presidential candidate there, but... Yeah, so you reckon it's sort of a uh, an erosion of trust in political figures or figures of... Uh, I, I don't think it's changed much. I think it's always the people with influence, some people with influence have always tried to influence. I think a lot of people who have been probably more correct have gone, well, it's not really my position to influence people who to vote for. That's their own business. But I think that's becoming lesser and lesser. I think we're all thinking now, well, some somebody who has no idea is influencing these people, maybe it's my turn. Right. So you think people um, more and more are looking to voices like this um, and it's harder for those you know, artists um, to stay yeah, apolitical yeah, yeah, or no, to be removed from... And I, I mean, and maybe by becoming political, they're ruining their position in a way because they've just got, well, I like them and I don't like them. Quite often, it is just what they what they've been all their lives. Maybe there's, maybe it's not meaningful. I mean, it's 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 quite it is quite challenging, yeah. isn't it? It is quite yeah. challenging. I'm not, I'm not sure of the answer. I must admit, I sit back and I've been all my life thinking um, the a social de- democracy is the way to run the world, is the way to run countries. People should have a say. Um, we all, it should be what the people want rather than what you know someone with all the money wants or whatever mm. it is. I get the awful feeling democracy's had its day, though. Because right. the decisions that the people are making, you look at them and go, 
Uh, that can't be good. We need the Wizard of Oz. We need someone. We need the person who knows and say, well, they know, let us go. And, th- and that's obviously a dictator dictatorship. But And that's never going to happen. But I'm not sure of the answer at the minute. I, I get a bit disappointed with some of the, the political outcomes that right. we get. Short term. Like even like this is the, the argument is now what we'll do is we'll make sure everybody's electricity bill is a little bit less because that's what we all want. And everyone's got an electricity bill, for God's sake. So everyone says, that's a great idea. Let's have a, a lower electricity bill. Therefore, we will be better off. I don't think we'll be better off <laughs> because we're not... Re- and I'm, I'm not a... I don't know much about climate, the climate control stuff and all that business. I, I don't get it. I don't understand the science of it, but I reckon there's, there's a bit of truth in it somewhere. So we have to come somehow buy into it. And the way you buy into it is not by promising everyone they're going to have cheaper electricity bills. I mean, we're better off paying more for our electricity as long as it, in a hundred years' time we've got we've still got some. Right, right, right. So Do you know short, what I mean? Yeah, like it's all term. kind of short term, and that's yeah. because our ter- our political terms are three years. Yes, yes. So what can you do in three years? Not much. Work no. really hard to make sure you get back in after the next three years. Yeah, there's no long. So you feel a little bit right. sorry for them in a way, but mm. I'm not sure where it's all going heading, but. Um, I feel like you've been sitting on that for a uh, for a little while, and, and, I'm, and I'm not politi- particularly political, as you yeah. know. But yes, I'm I am frustrated. By so it, the fi- final part of this this the new segment we've got. The not- so if we had any listeners, they're all they've all clocked <laughs> off now after all that. I don't think any Trump supporters would be surviving, would they? No, uh, not with us. No. <laughs> Um, so, you know, growing up, I know you're a huge fan of a long-time fan of you know like a admirer of Bob Dylan. But did you ever look at someone to someone like Bob Dylan and go, okay, if he thinks, you know, if he's left leaning, then perhaps maybe that's going to influence the way I'm thinking about social issues and political issues? Um, yes and no. No, I, I I love the way he wrote and I love what he wrote about, but I felt that he probably was smoking too much dope and was probably doing stuff that I didn't really think was a great idea. <laughs> so I'm not going to follow everything he does. But I, I see it, I saw it, I felt it. But I wasn't influenced by it. Although right. funny, I'm, a, I'm a funny type, though, I think, because people say, well, who are the people who influence you? Well, I go, well, I don't know. Like, yeah. everyone but no one. There's no one person I go, oh, yeah, well, that, that, that's the person I'm following. Um, probably I'd, I'd say my father, but it wasn't in that hmm. in that sense. I had my own mind. But, and so I don't go to the old Zimmerman songs and go, yeah, <laughs> let's make sure I'm doing this right. Because yeah, I've never been, I've always been very empathetic towards the socialist movement and always thought that Karl Marx probably got a thing a lot of things right but I am not leftist in my thinking yeah but yep. I'm not also not I don't have got any money so I'm, the other bit yeah. didn't work for me either <laughs> <laughs> well very interesting points Neil and uh, I'm indescribable I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like I'm just gonna uh, I'm just gonna build questions like that and just toss them up for you and you can you can bat them away however you feel fit but uh, yeah thank you thank you for your insight. I'd rather talk to Sue anyway no well we do have we do have a wonderful wonderful guest uh, again in the in the studio in, I was about to say in the audience we're not in the audience uh, we do have an audience today we dream good, of an we'll, audience we'll discuss the audience later on uh, we got uh, Suze Sofanos. Have I pronounced Sof- that? Sofanos. Sofanos. Yeah. Oh, so but I uh, may as well ask you the question we ask every guest. Uh, how would you describe what you do and who you are? Oh, wow. Another hard one. Um, what I do and who I am. Um, 
I don't know, I suppose I've been a coach or a, um, a player most all my life, pretty much. Um, since I could, I've always loved sport. I would have been a little footballer, like so many other girls that now would say that. You know, that was my first love, but particularly at my age, it wasn't on off beyond kicking, with, playing with boys. So lacrosse became that for me. So I started playing lacrosse when I was a very little girl, mascot and stuff for my auntie's team. So, yeah, I've, I've been a, a sports purse sportswoman, a lacrosse player and a coach all my life. And as much as I try to step out of that, I get dragged back into coaching or sometimes still have a run on the field with the young ones and stuff. So, you know, B grade or whatever. But, um, yeah, I love it. It's part of who... It's really who I am, I guess. And I take that now into my... I'm a sports coordinator at Girls College. So that coaching, whilst I'm not a qualified teacher, um, certainly is very much a passionate part of who I am. There's lots of things to talk about. The one thing I'm just interested why lacrosse. Did that... Why was it lacrosse? Was that down, was that down the street? Like it's a... <laughs> Not an obscure sport, but it's a relatively small, no, unusual. No, it is, and, it, and it, it still is. I think more people actually know about it now than certainly when, you know, back in the day when I started playing it but um, and being around it. But it's very unique in Williamstown, and I was born and bred and still live in Williamstown. Um, I have a little bit more random than that. I have lived in other places yeah. around the world. and Been to Newport, I hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other daughter lives in Newport. Newport not too far. The US, yeah. Newport. No, no, exactly. <laughs> I have been there too. You know, there. I try to round that out, but I'm not that two-headed, you know, sort of weird sound person, totally. But I do love Willie. And it is just unique down there. It's a, it's a place that as a kid growing up and even still, you'll see... Kids riding around with a lacrosse stick, going to find a wall to play wall ball, and the boys and girls go to watch the games. You know, it's big. Lacrosse is big in the Footscray, um, Newport. Is it, we're only a women's club. My club's Newport, um, mm. even though I was born and bred in Willie. That was because of the family, because my aunt, who I idolised, was went to Newport after being a netballer. And uh, but all my mates, all my friends were. I went to Willie High, were Williamstown. So, um, so Williamstown, Newport, Footscray, and there's Altona. That little part of the western suburbs is very lacrosse but Williamstown is is lacrosse yeah. well funnily enough lacrosse if you see it play it's not actually that dissimilar to footy because it's an invasion game mm. and you protect your goals and if you lose it it goes the other way and they just got a stick in a ball rather than having a kick I, yeah. I guess so in it, it as you said you probably would have played Australian footy <laughs> if, if it had been if you had been 16 today I guess yeah for sure uh, there's um, I, it just makes me laugh when I bump into guys that I went to school with and or my husband I was away for a couple of weeks and he bumped into some guys I went to school with and they were sort of saying to him oh my god your wife she would have been playing football now oh my god she used to play with us in the yard and I think she's got that bad you know <laughs> even at high school but yeah I do and I still love football but um yeah it is invasion and it's been really interesting um Neil over the time to watch how AFL has evolved and uh, that coach and that lover of sport, how um, zone defence and call it what you like in footy mm. and, um, has all come in, killing time at the end of a game are all things that have been in other sports for a long time and, you know, never was never, it was always kicked to a contest and play the game out far more in footy. You played it better than me, but watching it, it was never try and stop the game, stall that's the right, game. Yeah. Um, but now that's all coming, and they've come out of sports like ours for sure. So, how different was the landscape when you were growing up for for women getting involved in sport than it is it is now? Oh, I think oh gosh, it's so different. It's a great time to be a 
a woman and a girl in sport. You know, it's just opening up at, on all levels, which is wonderful. And it should do. I mean, I don't think women in whatever sport that might be a male version or a female version, whether that's tennis or whatever, people don't like women's tennis because it's not as quick as the men. But there's, they're not, never going to be the same mm. games, whether it's AFLW or the men's AFL or men's lacrosse is far more brutal. They wear helmets and big gloves and they smack the living bejesus out they, of each they other. They do have a big stick each. <laughs> they, <laughs> it's a bit of... But, <laughs> if they're angry, it's And the defenders have out. like a six-foot yeah. pole, that the men. Yeah, but so, we, you know, where there's an element of body contact in women's lacrosse like basketball. Um, right. So there is contact. You can't pretend there's not. But there's, it's certainly not... You know, you get a yellow card, your red card, you're off for the game. So, but as a little girl starting out, yeah, it was far more limited. Like my mum wouldn't let me wear a Williamstown football jumper where my uncle was, you know, captain coach of the Willie Seconds and we grew up down there. She knitted me a jumper with numbers on it. And I was a total tomboy. You know, I used to wear the black pants. I couldn't wear shorts. The black pants for the away games, white pants, black pants for the home games, white pants for the away. So I could play, model these, you know, sort of things. Right. But no way. And I remember one of the footballers one, bought me a pair of Rombarassi, you might remember, plastic football boots. That Oh, my God, I thought they were the best things. They were high-topped. <laughs> and I could hear that, and I still love that sound. Even now, as a grown woman with grown children, that sound of the boots on the race. For anyone who doesn't oh. know about the Ron Brassy plastics, they weren't very good. <laughs> but they were mine. Oh, and yours heard, might you know, have been good. No, they weren't. They were just little moulded sole placky things. But yeah, I thought I was just so fantastic. I could hear that noise and play. So it was, very, it was a very different landscape. And for girls in um, well, lacrosse, I was, I've always been lucky at Newport ladies lacrosse club and we have ladies not women's and over time there's been some women in our club that want to change that because you know the, the difference between a lady and a woman and stuff but I'm, I'm quite comfortable with it being Newport ladies lacrosse club and we've only been a women's club so we've been able to really I've been surrounded by strong women my whole life through my mum and her sisters and as I said my aunt who played netball and um, and then in our club you know we still really you know we don't have to go to the men to ask in splitting and I know in some of the other clubs it's it's sometimes different you the women the add-on to the male club which is probably happening to a certain extent in AFLW with all you know yeah, all the clubs in clubs I get around the, yeah, the country well we'll talk about that in a minute because I'm interested to know your feeling but what, what I'm going to say we're talking about we seem to be talking about local Williamstown Newport lacrosse mm. but I think you were a world champion in 1986 does yeah. that not representing Williamstown, I assume. <laughs> no, no, that's Australia, and um, yes, no, I've, um, I, I was, we won that World Cup in the mm. US at Swarthmore College in 1986, um, which was, you know, amazing. We, we, the first Women's World Cup was 1982, um, and that was at we played at, um, oh, what's the, um, in the in England, one of the um, Test cricket grounds in. Um, Okay, will come to me. No, 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 it's not that. No, it starts with an N. Um, Nottingham. Nottingham. It was up at Nottingham, yeah. but what's the name of that? Trent Bridge. Oh, at Trent oh, Bridge. So they played the World Cup there. So then. sorry, as an old kid, <laughs> this is really bad radio too. Sorry, um, but yeah, Trent Bridge. As again, as Aussies, you know, first World Cup when I was twenty-one, and um, you know, you're on this hallowed turf that you've seen if you loved sport in Australia and playing up there. But lacrosse back then there was only there was six teams. Men had already had World Cups, so it was our first one. And we should have won that, you know, but we never thought no one thought we'd win a game. We had people like Jenny Williams, oh, Mark yes. Williams' yeah, sister, played against yeah. them with yeah. and stuff. They had been a, there was a group of them that didn't go to that World Cup for various reasons they weren't happy mm. with. Um, 
And um, so we were really light on. People thinking, oh, I hope we don't embarrass ourselves. And we ended up winning every game and got 6-1 up in the final. This is 82 and lost the US in overtime. So when 86 rolled around, people thought we choked, but we actually didn't believe. Um, we didn't believe that we were ever possible. We were waiting for them to come back. So you learn all that stuff, but so 86, this, we were wonderful. So this is kind of a history of lacrosse. I assume mm. it's a North American game. Is it Indian. Indian yeah, North American a Red Indian, Indian yeah. game. Originally. Yeah, the Iroquois. And they now yeah. compete in the Men's World Cup as an Iroquois nation. They oh, finished okay. third last yeah. year, earlier this year at that World Cup in Israel. And the women are now able to play, which originally it wasn't allowed to be, and they're called the Haudenosaunee, and they compete as a nation too. Um, at the Women's World Cup. So, yeah, so 86 was incredible. To beat the US on their home toil, on the home soil was just 10-7. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it was goosebumps. Mm. What, what about, like, um, I don't, there's college, I presume there's college mm. lacrosse for women's and mm. men's. When, when was that sort of explosion uh, of the popularity or when did um, it sort of expand into... Well, our first, um, well, they were always playing college. And right. this is this is the thing, you know, we, we are the minnows still, and it's becoming more so because it's the fastest growing sport now in the US, lacrosse. So yeah. um, to compete against them with the numbers that we have in this country, it's crazy, you know, um, that we actually can still even be in the ballpark with them. But we're the only country in women's lacrosse that have um, ever beaten the US in a World Cup final, and we've done it twice. Um, and that explosion in college really happened around 93. Our first um, kids started to go. Sarah Forbes from Western Australia and Sasha Newmarsh from South Australia. They were in the senior women's team, that 93 World Cup team that I was in. So they were playing with the old girls then. And um, they then went on to college, to Maryland. And they were the first girls that went there. So it's 93, so it's not that long. But now, you know, the professional recruiters are out there with families. Mm. You don't actually have to be approached anymore from a Maryland or the top Div 1 schools um, that are coming and paying full, full tuition and everything for you. Mm. Um, if you want to go as a lacrosse boy or girl now, if, your parent, if you're not being offered that, you can probably get to a Div 2 school, pay your own way, be a lacrosse player in those programs, and you'll have a recruiter that you might pay up to five grand to who find you a school, find you a fit that works. So it's a really great opportunity for kids to get a degree. Um, you'd be paying fees here anyway at unis now and mm. um, be a lacrosse player. But our top kids certainly still get picked up, and that's important to our growth and keeping them at Now, when, when Australia won the World Cup in yachting, mm. The Prime Minister was on TV mm. saying any boss <laughs> who is yeah, a bum. Mm. Did he say that about oh, you no. guys? <laughs> and and no. again, it's a relatively serious question in terms of the recognition of no. women's sport as opposed to minor sports, really, isn't it? Yeah, and the um, change even in that now and until it's about the same time too, isn't it? Um, yeah, it was. Uh, mm. Well, it was, I think it was 80... It was when I was living in... So it was about yeah, 84, 80, 83, I think. When we, yeah, 83. 83. Yeah, no, he didn't. No, no. <laughs> I don't think anyone knew that we did. There might have been a tiny bit of radio. And probably the hook on that was even, you know, 20 years later in 2005 when I was a coach with when we won again in the US. We've won two World Cups have been in the US and we've won both of them. There's another one in three years' time. So we think we right. might know. <laughs> we hope so. But when we won in 2005, it's funny though because when I came back um, and I was... Uh, a coach, and I rang radio stations to see if we could get some something done about this. And the mm. 2005 team is an incredible story in itself. So I had a real uh, amazing story. We had Salmonella, the girls were so ill, the heat, and we won the World Cup. We doubled their score. So 
So I'm on, waiting to get on radio to say, you know, could I hire one of the coaches? You know, want to see if we can get... And I forget who it was, uh, probably just as well, because you no doubt know them. You don't just up, just yeah, being kind, they, they, right? And uh, <laughs> they said, oh, you know, it's an old story now. You know, it was a couple of weeks happened, old. Happened yesterday. <laughs> well, it was a couple of weeks. We did, you know, when you pay all your money, yeah, you right. stay and have a family holiday at the end yeah. and you don't rush back and no one cares anyway. But, mm. you know, we had a family who came back, tried to get onto it, and other people had. So I rang. And then while I'm waiting... And uh, you'll love this because I'm a Carlton supporter. Yep. And yeah, so, I no, 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 and <laughs> even was, better though. I was only going to scuttle as, it because I, of that. as I'm waiting, I've never forgiven you for anything. No, no, no. Um, when, um, when I'm waiting online, see, I'm that much, I've got that much of a long memory, no, no. Um, <laughs> they come on, they said, oh, and uh, coming on next is Alex Jezzelenko. I'm thinking, you're kidding. you got no time and for he, us. And Jezza. Jezza didn't want to say anything. So, but that when you talk about the difference in women's to men's sport, and there's yeah. still a battle. It's just the the start of it, and it's great seeing more of the women on, you know, talking on the men's footy and all that. But it doesn't always have to be just isn't, to, to isn't make it, funny it even. That, have you noticed that change in like almost everyone's uh, now when, when they're calling the games or mm. got the experts? Everyone from the from the US stuff to ours, there's always a woman there mm. with her opinion. Which some I look at her, it must be hard for them at times mm. to feel as though they authentic and uh, well because I often talk to Caroline Wilson and she mm. says, look, I talk about the, the the game, but I try not to talk specifically about playing the game because mm. I, I don't. It even she says yeah. I don't feel as though people think that I not know, you but can. yeah, you can. Mm. Um, but she she gets away with talking about all of the you know the normal you know the other stuff, the management of the game or whatever. So. Mm. I, I must admit, I quite, I really enjoy it, and I mm. think maybe that is this. We are stepping in the right direction. Maybe mm. we will get there eventually, but it's um, it's challenging to know how we're going to turn the genuinely beautiful part of women's sport into something that's going to be powerful enough, big enough, commercial mm. in its own right. I'm, I'm not mm. sure whether whether in it ever footy. will. Yeah, in mm. footy particularly, right. but but in the other stuff, and even I mean most of, I mean world swimming, world tennis. There aren't all that many where women are seen as on the same. No, they're on the same level, but they're, they're not recognised as such. Are they quite often? Yeah. Well, I think um, I think cricket are doing a pretty good job. Well, I, 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 I love the collision. I love the cricket. I love the cricket. That is. But know. I reckon if they had to pay their own way, they'd be going. They're getting. It's getting better and it's getting stronger. That that's the challenge of it, yeah, isn't it? Is. it? It's getting because even the AFLW and I love going to it. Is is um, it's been free up until this yeah, point, hasn't right. it? So they've, at some point, it's got to we as women in sport, and I understand with lacrosse. You know, I'd love to be funded. It would make a whole lot of all our training and programs and that so much. But money isn't the be all and end all. Mm. But if you know, if we could just access you know gymnasiums and you know all these sort of things. You know, my our eldest daughter um, blew her knee two days out before last year's World Cup, and in a practice match two days before did her ACL. Now she then had to pull out, lacrosse was going to the World Games in Poland two weeks after. So they were like, okay, how's your out? You gotta fill that time now. So there's more money in that. When she comes home, she had a job, she used up all her time. Couldn't get her knee done straight away. Had to wait till she had more time. Like people just don't know, it's that back end that in a sport like ours that is, is 
so difficult. Whereas, you know, mm. if you do an ACL, they're in the next day, the boys get done, they're looked after, they're nurtured back, you know, right, and it's a right. very, it's so hard to get the girls. And now with our college girls, you know, we've had to, as a coach, you know, evolve our programs to enable them to be able to get back at a time that they're free in college. Um, you know, so that's normally January and they can't come back all the time because we don't have the money like basketball or the mm. Olympic sports to pay. I was talking to Georgie Parker, who's at mm. Collingwood now. She spoke at our school and was an ex-lacrosse kid, played with Hales and left to be a hockey player. And she was just saying, you know, this, the, that whole um, money side of it, it's starting to come in football, but you are looked after. And with hockey, when their players are overseas with the hockey rules, they'd be able to pay for them to come back for their camps. We can't. We have to make it try and make it fair. Whatever camp we have, whether they're in Melbourne or Perth or Adelaide, everyone pays 500 bucks or $700, depending on how long the camp is, what we need to do, you know. So there's this ongoing cost that, and gosh, the, the sponsorship dollar is tight. So I'm not whinging, that's the reality. And it's always, as a coach, I always think, what, how, yeah. what do we need? How do we get it? Well, and, it's still, it's still re- relatively the same. We have to get to that point with, with the AFLW stuff. Right now, where everyone's, you know, we're buoyant, everyone cares, it's going to be good. Mm. And I think that's its big chance, is that if the AFL clubs and the AFL themselves promote this as, we're going to make sure this works, mm. then those things like, well, she's done a knee, therefore we fix it, mm. that's all got to happen. Mm. And, and at the moment it, it does. does. And it won't necessarily, if, if we apply the same commercial uh, rules to women's footy is men's footy well it won't work but we've got to say this is a significant part of our game proper Mm. I mean because the funny thing about footy is that half the people who go and watch it have always been women Mm. and only men have played at at the Mm. that level level. which is a bit kind of unusual so Mm. that tells us that women actually are really interested in the game etc so Mm. women playing is an, an, an essential part of it and probably in today's the commercial world of the sponsorship is about who you're pitching to and who's hearing it rather than mm. what the game is in a way. So we, I reckon we've got a decent chance there. But 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 I think if we expect women's footy to pay its way, I think it's uh, it's not it's not going to happen on the same model as men's footy. No, it's still got time. But it's still a it's still a significant mm. it's still a significant game that we've got to make sure we do make it work. We mm. can't we can't let it fail. And mm. I don't think we will. But and probably most of the, if you know most the, the couple of sports that women's sport is being recognised as an equal, you know, um, in talking marks, as are the sports that are very big male sports that are mm. the most financial within this country, cricket, AFL, mm. soccer. You know, they're getting a higher profile because netball certainly, and now netball's in the AFL clubs too, so there's, a, there's another leg up there because netball's the most played in this country by the most women, but still it's never been easy for netball, you know, talking to Norma Plummer and all these people over the years to to get time on TV. And that's the biggest issue for women, is for young girls to see female role models. Because I love Jezza. You know, I watched, you know, I wanted right, to be yeah. an athlete that played, you know, played like them in my sport. I didn't see female athletes, you know, team sport athletes. You might see a runner or Olympics or, you know, those sort of th- swimmers and things and you idolise them. You know, Yvonne Corley, you know, mm. all these, women that play great sport, but there weren't people in your sport that you cannot, and at least for the girls now, and that's why there's explosion, I see it as a sports coordinator at school, you know, our football's doubled, that the girls that want to trial football in the school on the back that they can see women that they want to play like, 
and not be a, not be seen as a boy mm. and play like a man. They can play like a girl and that's enough. And and that's good. You can be a strong, independent female and you know, wear a dress and have a ball and be just whoever you want to be and know what you want to look like as that athlete, which well, is important. There seems to have been quite a few pretty successful marketing campaigns with, you know, uh, play like a girl and, mm. and all those those really positive, um, I suppose, positive figures showing that, you know, you can play sport and you can be whatever, you can do whatever mm. you're doing outside of sport as well. You're not going to be chucked into a basket like perhaps it used to be where it was like yeah. you're a tomboy or yeah. you're... Tomboy. Yeah. Well, Georgie was so good that she did this presentation. And I was a tomboy. You know, had the box hat and a, you know, said <laughs> I had the knitted jumper and um, just loved it. You know, I didn't care. I'd take a mark in the rocker boat that hit me in the back of the head. I couldn't have cared less, you know. But Georgie Parker was saying the other day, she goes, I was actually a boy. I didn't want to be a boy, but she loved Wren from the Crows. So she just wanted to, you know, that's how she wanted to play football. She was little. and So th- this is what happens with girls. Like, it's just what happens. You don't want to be a boy as such, but that's how, you you know, you see as the thing, how you want to play the game, if you like, you know. Who do you think, like, when you were growing up or, you know, even as a young adult, who do you think was the, the sports woman who really, um, in Australia, who did something that really changed the dynamic of, of how people started to see women's sport? Oh, gee, that's hard, isn't it? Um, I mean, I just thought Yvonne Gulagongkul yeah. at the time, her grace and the way she went about it, but she just wasn't that... that um, aggressive athlete as you know she didn't come across and they used to bag her for that didn't they you know um you know oh gee i don't know as raylene boyle raylene Mm. boyle changed the way she really went hard at it and was her own person and challenged you know you read about dawn fraser was a bit before me but i love i love her independence and gee that cost her too isn't it i mean we're only (laughs) even in men's but like anyone you know, there's a saying something about you know you never be a famous woman unless you break the rules, sort of thing. But you know, oh, yeah. we're doing the same now with Peter Norman, who's a willy guy, you know, mm. who stood up on the dais and is now going to be finally recognised for what he did back in that 200 metres with the black power and right, stuff. Yeah, of course. And now he's finally getting a statue, but he lost his Olympic career because he made a political stand. Dubell, I read the other day, they're now going to recognise. You know, his record stood for so long, mm. but and that's in Olympic sports. So there's. Yeah, it, there's not. We don't pay enough attention outside of some of the other sports to those great people. But I think Raylene Boyle, you know, they're, they're pretty classic. Um, so based you know, on those things, that, that we know. political correctness that I'm crook on was already happening way back then, wasn't it? <laughs> well, so Dawn, okay, just remind me. Uh, yeah. Dawn Fraser did something at an Olympic. She took the emperor's flag, or whether she did, someone did, and she ended up with the Japanese emperor's oh, okay, flag. Right, and, right. Yeah, just you know, silly stuff. Being, just, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it was culturally you know, insensitive yeah. in quotations. That, that would have been, and that led to her yeah, being being banned. Yeah, yeah, she was banned for, a, and and right. you know, but there was also I think she challenged the officialdom and and stuff, and maybe we can do that mm. a little bit, do a little bit more now. I think in general, players' voices are heard much more. Um, than just, the, and it, I think in the old days, the protocol, the, the government yeah, body it, was all mm, of it. You know? It's an interesting uh, discussion in itself. You've coached a hell of a lot and you've seen the you know the really good players. Like, Do they have to... The, the good players have to be huge risk takers, otherwise they can't be good players. Mm. But we as coaches, particularly in, in teams, need them to behave perfectly well after five o'clock. That's right. 
how, how do how do you deal with that as a as a mentor and as a coach? Do you do you recognise that? How how does it work with you? Yeah, I, look, I think um, I think that's where you know the word culture keeps coming up. But I think over the time it is about setting those values within the group, and and that's got more and more clear. Over the, over the years, even down to club level. You know, I know at times when I'd be coaching Australia or something, I'd come back with some great ideas, you know, and then you'd try to bring it back to club. It was like, what is she on? Like, we're not friends with that here. You know, we train once a week and we play on a Sunday. You know, it's a very different settle. I know where you've been, you know. But even now that's come into club levels that, you know, I always think, you know, what, what does someone think of you when you're in a Newport shirt or a Victorian shirt or an Australian shirt which is relevant to me when they're watching if you Will right. and Neil are sitting up and they're looking at the Australian women's lacrosse team or Newport ladies I think what, what do they see and that's what you need to portray so that's what you always put back to your girls is that no matter when and particularly on the Australian level you know you want to be seen as courageous you want to be seen as fit you want to be as strong great competitors you're humble, you're polite, mm. off the field, you know, all that sort of stuff. Not. Um, but who decides that? Can you, do you. Well, it's the players. The players yeah. talk about that sort of stuff. But having said that, you know, like, gee, where the game was when I first started, you know, we would play up a lot more than the girls do now. Like, our girls, you know, um, don't. You know, drink before a grand final, or you know, or, you know, all that sort of maybe stuff. You, or when maybe you're away, you just believe that. <laughs> yeah, that's all that's true. But um, you know, like we'd go on Australian tours, and because they were tours, and you'd be you'd be travelling, you pay for yourself too. You'd play a test, you'd go out and have some drinks, and you'd have a big night, and then you'd have a couple of days off. You'd go back to training. That wouldn't happen on Australian women's cross train tour at all. You might have one night, but it would really keep a lid on it, you know, and it's not just because of other sports putting that on us, that's because we want to be more competitive and it's where sport's gone. It's not just about the money in the sport. I don't need money in our sport mm. to have to have those values, mm. but it doesn't mean I don't love a drink with the best of them and I can party with no so, girls. So what do you do with that? You've got your best player decides all of a sudden she's going to go out a bit more or not play by the rules or whatever. How do you deal with that? Well, how, do you, how do you, as the coach, deal with that? Well, you have to. You've got to obviously talk to them, and then you know your leaders would want to have a chat too, no doubt. But I think, you know, I think there was a Charlesworth saying something about you don't treat every, don't treat everyone equal because you can't. All, but you do. Uh, you are fair because some people take a lot more of your time, so that's not equal in the time I mm. give all the players. So it's dependent on that. But you'd have to talk to them, and you. You know, I've never had to make the call that you cut someone from the team because of their behaviour, um, fortunately. Particularly, Is that because you've chosen not to or uh, you haven't no, had to? haven't had to. There's yeah. certainly been players that you know, and I think it's what you're getting at, that you know you need, and particularly when we don't have a pool of athletes. Mm. <laughs> and we've got, you know, I'll be honest, if we're picking um, 18 players to go to a World Cup and two um, alternates that can be subbed right until the day before the World Cup... There's, we probably, there might be 60 or 70 girls around this country that we would pick from that are really in with the show. And then really it's probably out of 30. Mm. So it's a small number. Mm. The US can pick team after team after team and it doesn't even change one. And now the way our world going, because we're trying to push the Olympics, those players are finding out if they've got a long lost grandmother in England or someone and then 
booting over there because up to four, you know, so the game's really changing on that international level because of all that stuff as we push to get more countries playing. So if they've got, so we get Italy and that's so Americans are off and they're the one country that can change the game. But I've never had to change, cut someone because of their behaviour, but I've certainly had to work really hard with some players that to make that their behaviour, that players in the team were finding it difficult, mm. that players were... Um, yeah, it had, has to change. And it's taken sometimes years that they haven't necessarily liked me. You know, our relationship has changed. They've stayed in the team. But, you know, that, that constant chatting, and we're not talking about drinking, we're not talking about, it's just about maybe attitude, that they might still be wanting great things but for the team, but it's letting go or it's, you know, it's just trying to work that through. So it doesn't change in any sport. No. Um, but, you know, when they're not being paid, and you're always mindful. If someone's invested in doing it, it's a big call mm. to cut a girl unless she's done something outside of... And it's even more important now why we need to have that culture and those that structure around so that it's self-monitored. We set this up. You know that's not appropriate. You know, you're on the warning or whatever, and then you would have to, but we're lucky that that hasn't had to happen yet. Just, just a question on... Um, but for both of you, really. I've noticed there's been a big change in the uh, coaching mantras of at AFL clubs. It seems to be seems to be from me looking in there's a real emphasis placed on relationship-based uh, coaching. You've coached and captained and at an elite level as well. Do you think women's sport has always had that sort of um, emphasis placed on relationships, building relationships and trust? Uh, and with football, do you think that's just a, a thing that's just sort of the emphasis is now more greatly placed on that or do you think it's always sort of been that way, Neil? And it's interesting. I've all I've watched a lot of women's sport, particularly netball and the ones you see more commonly than say lacrosse. And I've always felt they've got it better than the blokes have. It's always seemed to be mm. that it's easier to get the girls to buy in, or they seem to buy in much more strongly. Um, so maybe maybe women have coached more from a relationship point of view. Although I must admit, I was often um, Joyce Brown who coached the. Um, Mm. Uh, netball team, Australian netball oh, team for a long time, and she's kind of a footy person as yeah. well. And I, and I always had this—I didn't know, didn't say it to too many people because it, it wasn't popular in the days. But I thought she could nearly coach well, men's she nearly footy. Did. Was the Fitzroy? Yeah. Her name was thrown yeah. out there at one point. And I reckon she probably could have. Yeah. And does that mean because she was tougher than the normal woman? Is that why we're saying that, or she got it right? But. Um, I reckon I reckon she got it pretty right. But mm. but I, I think we have come a long way. I think we are much more um, driven by the relationship stuff. In the, in the old days, they used to have sayings, like, you you know, you can't get to know your players too well. You can't be your player's mate. Mm. And you can't be their <laughs> mate. But my way of coaching, you could not, you cannot coach someone if you haven't got a relationship with them. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, you just go over there, kick this, do that. Look, that's, there's nothing. It's meaningless. So I think we've come a reasonable way. But I think the greatest coaches are always relationship coaches because people... They've got to look up to you. They've got to trust you. They've got to trust what you say, and then you've got to do what you say you're going to do when that with that trust comes. So, mm. but I think we just talk a little bit more about it now. We follow whoever wins, and because everyone at Richmond said they loved each other, everyone now loves each other. Three not, H's. Not sure. Three H's Triple H's H's and all that sort of stuff, yeah. which was all it was all quite all true. Great. It was yeah. quite real, um, and mm. the players did get an enormous amount out of it. Um, but everyone wants to go down that path nowadays. Mm. But. Do you feel that, I mean, you've seen, you've been watching men's footy and women's sport and all that, is it, are the, are the women actually better at it by nature? 
I'm not, I am a relationship coach. There's no doubt. You know, I totally believe no one cares how much you know unless they know you care about them. And yeah. I think it's the same as like with being a mum. But that doesn't mean I, I can't make the tough call. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mightn't be as hard as a Joyce Brown or a Rick Charlesworth or, or whatever. And maybe that's the nature of our sport and all the background I just said before. But it's like your kids, if they know you love them, if you care about them, you can still tell them off. You can still have the hard conversation. You can still not select and have a cry with them. You know, like doesn't mean you know that and that's up front you know um but I do think yeah relationships I think connections and all I read about Richmond winning I just felt so much better that that was it was obvious that that's a best way that you're going to get the best out of your people if your connections you know I used something last year with the um Victorian state team and was always trying to get a hook and that's why I loved your triple h and I think it's John Gordon thing I don't know if that's where Damien got it from but I was reading a John Gordon book the other day and he was talking about the same sort of stuff but it was um was about I read somewhere because we just plagiarise from what you think might work with that various group that you've got and we were I, I had I was coaching the state team I'd stepped away from the Australian team and we had a whole group of Australian players in our state team before the World Cup before the World Cup last year I think well how do I bring this group of elite players who should smash this nationals as their last hit out before the World Cup against the other states but blend with the other six or so in the team that are the Victorian based players who they play club with but they don't come in trying to be this amazing group showing off. And we're talking about connections and I'd read about, you know, if my Wi-Fi wasn't on or if the Wi-Fi and the team wasn't on, trying to speak in today's terms, then what do you got? How do we go when the Wi-Fi's down? And they're all like, oh, God, you know. I'm like, exactly. So if my Wi-Fi's not on and if it's not strong, you're not listening. We're not buying into each other. If your connections are, and we did this silly thing, and I didn't know. And I know I do things at the time. They look at me and go, "She's really lost it. Now. She's actually <laughs> lost it." And I had had all these pens, and they're sitting there before the first guy. I said, "Okay, everyone, grab a pen." He's in there. What are we doing now? And um, I said, "I want you to." Draw. I drew up a Wi-Fi, and I can't draw. You know, the three bars and the dot. So, when everyone to find someone they don't know so well, and I want yeah. you to draw anywhere. I don't care if you want to be cool on your net. I don't actually care, but you need to do the Wi-Fi symbol because we've spoken about this and our connections need to be strong. And every day we're going to draw it on someone else and we're going to get stronger and stronger and we're going to get better and better, you know, because our connections are going to grow. And it was a symbolic thing. Mm. They end up saying Wi-Fi was their call, you know, oh, Wi-Fi for yeah. Wi-Fi. Yeah, so yeah. it became this thing that they had a laugh, thought it, but thought it was cool and got the connection. And they did play well, you know. So you, it's all that stuff that you just do to try and make something up more and how important that was beyond just talking about what does a good teammate look like. You know, another mm -hmm. thing is, you know, I, I life teammates. Um, we sadly had a friend uh, in the States who I played World Cup against and her nephew committed suicide oh, nine years ago now. And there, his mum and dad have since set up the Will to Live Foundation in, in Atlanta and, and throughout the US now, you'll see a Will to Live on the baseball players and stuff at the top level huge program about life teammates and because Johnny the dad had been in baseball and he'd had life teammates as you would out of football and I have out of lacrosse and sometimes they come naturally and I never I know my time not so much work was put into culture it was just that you were nurtured and you believed in the strong women that were around you um, all the men that coached you we were always coached by men um, and um, yeah, this life teammate thing that Johnny put was that, you know, it's those life teammates out of sport that, you know, make you great and, and support you in those times of needs and that that's really important if Will might have had more life teammates or not yeah. putting pressure on his mates but just the need for that to step up around yeah. people and I really, 
you know, put that to the girls too and talk about how, you know, we want to be life teammates. We don't want to be just teammates that walk away and not just because of the premierships and not just because of the world championships. So I often think now, you know, when they've won silvers and bronzes, we don't have the reunions, but we actually should because there's still so much to celebrate in that. And they were some amazing teams. We lost by very close or irrespective, they were amazing. But I still have those life teammates Mm. in that. And when we've won in 05 or we've won in 86, it was the women that went before that we still spoke of. And I certainly always make, and I bring them back into Australian programs more than ever to try and make that connection and that they tell their story and that it, you know. So those things aren't unique you know, to footy, but trying to get this next generation not just trying to make an Australian team or, you know, that make those connections mm. are really important. And I think to I love reading about in football. That's why I went away and I got all the papers when I got back, didn't I, Jess? I'm like, can you just keep all the papers because there'll be all these great stories that have come out of... <laughs> don't, tell you, were, yeah. don't tell your accountant supporter mates that you did. <laughs> <laughs> I know, gosh. I've got to hang tough, though. I can't jump off, can I? <laughs> They've up my membership, though. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but it's interesting, that whole thing, though. Like, particularly the week, couple of weeks we've just been through in footy where you have that, like, this trading stuff. Mm. What, what's your take on that? I, you, you've got to create the, the trust between mm. clubs and players. And I, and I know that everyone has to accept sometimes you've got to go and you've got to make decisions for everyone rather than decision for one. But some of that seems really challenging, doesn't it? How would you have gone in your lacrosse team and you trade out one of your players? Yeah, Pretty difficult, that's isn't it? That's a new challenge, isn't mm. it? And for me, in my background and stuff, you know, that would take a whole lot of new conversations to the players, wouldn't it? And I think it is such a, it's such a catch twenty two for you guys, isn't it? Because yes, everybody it yeah. at all levels, because your heart and soul's in it, you know, they've only got X amount of years. In the, in the sport and they've got to go where they're best but you want them to totally be a Richmond player you want them to totally buy into that and then you decide at the top end that they're not anymore you know I still look at Kennedy at West Coast and know we got Juddy yeah, exactly. um, and I, you can't compare <laughs> yeah. but yeah, you know yeah, um, yeah because that, that's the commercial side of the game and is, that, that's the hard it? bit but just you know with us this year we had three or four players who they weren't getting a game. They needed to go somewhere else. So it was excellent. Quite, but it's quite it was comfortable because the the discussion between the coach and whoever with mm. them was, what do you want to do? Well, I want to play. Mm. Well, I don't think I'm going to play you enough. Do you want us to help you go somewhere? And that it became became that conversation. Mm. But there are some of the other ones where you have to trade a play, like like the Kennedy thing for Judd. Well, mm. getting Judd to come to Carlton was mm. probably seemed to be the best thing that could ever possibly happen to us. Mm. So we've got to give up something for it. So mm. poor old Kennedy has to go. Yeah. As it turns out, he's, he's probably he's in a in a good position. Exactly. But I think they're probably the stories you need to know is that it's rare that a, a change is really bad as mm. long as it's handled in the right way. But the hard bit is that trust in the and it's in how the first it's handled. Place, and, but it? then yeah. it comes back to again, doesn't it? It comes back to communication. It comes yeah, back right. to connections, yeah. and they're the hardest things to happen. It doesn't mean they're easy. I bet you feel sick of oh, yeah, yeah, bring someone in that you really like but you you know it's the right thing but again if you've got the connections and it's not just to have that conversation and they know what the club's about and they believe it that it's not um <laughs> i remember this I'll tell a funny story about you know when you go into works uh, businesses and stuff and they'll have all these team phrases and i was working at a car yard that will remain nameless a few years back <laughs> and it had <laughs> all this i was just in between jobs and um I we had oh you know team is this and all these great and that's what they said they 
did not walk it for one second, oh, right? And it was driving me nuts. They would walk right past. There was an upmarket one. But they walked past me. The boss, you know, met you first, and then he never looked at you again. I was like in this, and it just was eating at me, you know. So in the end, I had a crack, and I didn't last there much longer than two weeks. But my last sale this day was, and it was doing film and all that sort of stuff. It wasn't cars. Um, this, I'd sold this package to this guy. He came in, he's looking at this frame of some wonderful saying about team or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he said, gosh, I love that, love that frame there. I go, which? Oh, that. Oh, you might as well have it. You can have it. <laughs> These people yeah, can't take it. He goes, I just thought, what? Really? I can spend a few serious hundred bucks. He goes, really? I go, yeah, they won't even know it's gone. Well, just it's take a, it. It's, and that it's is, the truth, isn't it? Is it is the truth. I'm, I'm a good mate of mine who actually played footy with sold a lot of cars. <laughs> and one of the mates, one of the other mates who we played with, went and worked with him for a while. And um, so this fellow was going to sell a car to one of his friends. And he said, well, what do I do? Do I give them a better deal? They said, no, 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 you stitch your mates up. <laughs> <laughs> They're never going to ask. You can't do that. can't do that. Those both men will remain nameless. <laughs> Just with, um, what do you reckon the comparison to, I know it's a completely different system, but with American sports, it seems like it's, a very, it's far more impersonal there trade period seems like they make calls from across the, the country to the other side and then all of a sudden the player finds out they've been traded to go you know to toronto which mm. or whatever it, it, seems, it, is it, seems that, it seems that money makes it okay doesn't it that's, it, that's, it does that's, yeah that's, but there's yeah, something yeah. deeply wrong deeply wrong about the way they i think with the afl it seems like uh, at the very least they've sort of got a few things right with not well, not treating people like pawns. We didn't we didn't used to get it right. There's a there's this the wonderful oh, not a wonderful story. It is a wonderful story because Steve Talbot is a good mate of mine from he's still he's in Sydney now. He's had a great footy career. We're playing here at Richmond back in 1974 or something, and it was the mid season. And the mid season you could trade players, and you didn't even have to get them to sign anything. You just trade players because they're yours. He came to training. He walked in the door just down here. And there's someone, Alan Noonan's changing in locker number nine, which is his number. He goes, what's going on there? Like, oh, shit. Torbo, we forgot to tell you, you're supposed to be at Windy Hill. Oh. I forgot to tell him. <laughs> He's come to training. I remember sitting outside in this car park for half an hour just chatting oh. to him until he got his head around it. In the end, it was good for him. He played pretty good footy at Essendon, finished up in Sydney, did some really good stuff. Um, and then he'll look, he'll look back on it. Well, he'll look back on it. But no, he's like, it's lucky. It was more luck than good management. Sport, like he could have. Sportsman's nights out of this. Well, that he could have <laughs> cut his throat going up the road. I mean, like it was just. Yeah, yeah. And we talk about yeah, mental health and all that, that sort of oh, stuff now. Like, oh shit, we forgot to tell you. <laughs> so we haven't always been there. Whatever happens to to the AFL and the clubs, they deserve because of what we've done in the past. Mm. But, yeah. but um, that's true. Yeah. That that backup and that support is yeah. now you know, continuing to be there and, and even in trying to get the guys in whatever sport, in, or everyone, girls too, to keep their careers. But you always had a career plus played and then it well, yeah, did we're, the other we're and now we're trying to get a yeah. career back. Mm. In, in a lot yeah. of ways, because there was no money relatively, yeah. and we were lucky that we had to have a, mm. a regular life as well, which was mm. made it which made it easier for me in the end because after, after playing and working, I did some coaching, still worked and then... Now my job in footy is because I had a commercial background, not not a and a footy background, so I was yeah. quite lucky. Really. Do you, do you think? Can I ask you a question? Do you think that um, AFL will end up doing what rugby league do in with those trade that trade where it's set up front? I don't sort of like the fact that I, I hope not. Just I, I think it's terrible. Oh, yeah, I think it's terrible. And yeah. 
you know. But I'm a bit old-fashioned. I'm a bit old-fashioned on those well. things. No. I don't like well, them. I'm like you. I believe in the whole the relationship trust mm. stuff, and I think if you're doing that, it's it's pretty difficult. Pretty difficult. But having said that, mm. we put ourselves now. The AFL introduces free agency. And they put out a list on the 30th, 31st of March saying all these people are available on free agency. And then if all of a sudden somebody has the temerity to talk to someone who's a free agent before the end of the year while they're still with another club, they say, well, you can't do that. Mm. Well, what do they expect everyone to do? Wait till mm. the end. I think it'll be all over. Mm. So they kind of want it both ways in a yes. sense. But um, So I'm not. I'm, there's a balance in there mm. somewhere. I, I would hate for have a player that we've already sold to someone next year who's going to play for us this year. It doesn't make any sense I, any I, sense I, I, at all to is me. That, is that like a cultural thing in league or is that just the, the fact that the players, you know, it's just I the way it's always been? Cool to sort of clean up that bit. A bit like, do I say it, Lynch, I mean, that with, when it came with yeah, Buckley, yeah. he was honest, but well, then yeah. that came like back it, to be like the like worst like thing like in the world. Like he shouldn't have spoken to him. To him. Yeah, yeah, spoken to him. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. But on the US front, I think... You know, certainly at, at college and things, I think they're starting hopefully to change. But I found that um, our eldest daughter was at college with Penn State. And, um, you know, I think the system all across, and I think yes. the system what, observing and watching that, that really helped change me as a coach even more. If I wasn't a more relationship coach, mm. I, I was after. And I've since seen other kids go who have actually got through it and unscathed. And lots that have done amazing and have had a wonderful time. But, you know, the culture in some of the colleges, and I hope it's changed, or most, would have been you don't talk to a coach as a parent. Your kids are telling you, don't ring. If they're upset and miles from home, don't ring them. No, we're being told you don't ring the coach. Well, how do you, yeah, really? And they won't. And there's this, this you know, this, this bullying culture at times that is alive and well, and they, they just see it as, you know, not their not their call and you know we had to bring it up with them at one but definitely and um challenge them on it i'd like to think penn state changed a bit of their culture because of that i've got a, now neil i did mention i was gonna i was gonna say this but um there was an example i think it was 2016 it was before the first game and sue you can let me know what you think about this as well but it was 2016 you were at collingwood you're working there and they were about to play they were going to go up to sydney to play round one of that season you said to me, I was we were watching them train. You said to me, Are you nervous now. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what he's going to you say. Said, you said to me, and I vividly remember this. You said to me, Oh yeah, I said oh, they're looking pretty good. He goes, They're looking pretty good. But you know what's more important? The fact that they're developing as as young men, and that's that's part of the whole thing. And I think they're they're all on the right track. <laughs> that year was a stinker <laughs> because they lost that week by eight points. Oh. Went on to you know whatever happened with Collingwood there, and now two years later, it's sort of down the track. Mm. That sort of comment was a thing that might have, you know, led them to lose by a couple of points. But what what happens in in sporting climates where you sort of build this thing up of this this whole, um, I suppose, these mantras of we're together and you know life teammates and that sort of thing. But what happens when it starts to mm. fall down and they don't perform on the field? Mm. You know, what what's your perspective on on that? Where's that, that seems like a whole other challenge, right? Where you're trying to build a culture. Culture. And then the one thing that you know, like, matters to the supporters, and and maybe you know, it might not matter so much. Yeah. Well, but if if all you're concentrating on mm. is winning, you're not going to get there anyway. So you you've got to take the outcomes out of it. You've just you've got to right. you've got to coach them to play. You've got to coach them to be good young men. You've got to coach them to do all that, and then the rest will look after itself. But if you just work on 
coaching them to win, or you, you're not going to you're not going to get far. I don't think anyway. That's only my opinion. Yeah. Unless you've got an enormously talented bunch of guys that are just going to play well, but they're going to do that anyway. But it's um it's about it's about the process, isn't it? So, oh, yeah. well, I think it is. I mean, it's always. And I think at time, I don't think I was told that necessarily as a player. And I was, you know, the glory girl attack. That's what I could win games, probably. You know, for, and if I didn't, then I took it really personally. Right. And I, you know, that was, it, you know, I don't think it was broken down enough that the process and the outcome. We lost, I can't even verbalise it, but I think we lost 13 years in a row in total to South Australia as Victoria, mm. Jenny Williams and crew. And they were good. And they weren't always the best team, but they really had it over us. And um, you know, I think we just wanted it too much and we didn't think about the process. We were very much outcome focused and when it got tight, you know, it was a, trying to hang on to a win or trying to get over the top or it's happened again. And I think anyone in that sports psych and in life, you can't be looking at the outcome because you just lose it. And I think that with the, um, the whole thing when you're losing or, you know, when we just lost last year at the Women's World Cup, we lost the semi-final to play for silver in... Um, double overtime on some cruel calls, man down and stuff. It was just terrible. So we missed playing for silver and then we lost the bronze to England who had two huge American recruits in their team um, that really won them the game. They shot six out of their eight goals and it was raining and we can make all the excuses we like but we lost it and it was heartbreaking but we had a young bunch of, the youngest team, our, our older top players had moved on that all had college experience and, you know, I think despite the heartache that crew are probably solid because I think we did have a really good culture I think it was one of the great a really great group of players and I don't think we'll lose them because of that disappointment and it cuts and you always still the mantle oh, they'll, they'll work harder well hope so but it can't be about that it has to be about them and building more connections and what can we get better to make sure we don't feel like that again but that's way off the rest mm. will look after itself. And it's true. You know, you try not to think about it. Of course, you're chasing the premiership and that's out there or the World Cup. But any great team is about, you know, enjoying being comfortable, being uncomfortable and all those wanky words. But they're true and you have to like it and you have to keep working and you hope you have those connections. But I think what I read about Richmond, which I love well, more than anything <coughs> and we can learn from it at lacrosse, is is that you were all on board. And everything that I saw from hugging you through to Brendan Gale, through to your president, was amazing. You could just see the joy that everyone was on exactly the same page. And that's when you get that sort of success because of those connections aren't just on the field either. And they're like looking and, you know, sticking their finger up like Mark Williams did to the main sponsor <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> back then with the choke thing and, you know, things like that. So I think that is the perfect storm and, you know, you have real respect yeah, for You're a crook programs. on those Williams, isn't you? Huh? You're a crook on those Williams. Oh, no, Jen and I are good mates. We're born on the same day, but she's much older than Well, me. funnily no, enough, well, you mentioned it and it's probably worth remembering, but after the preliminary final in 17, Damien came into the players on the Monday preparing for the grand final. Mm. And you can imagine how, like, this club hadn't played in one no. since 82 and won one since 80. And all of that, all of that's going to happen. And he was, he was quite amazing. He walked in to in front of the players and effectively said to them, I'm that proud of what you blokes have done. It doesn't matter what happens from now, you have won. Isn't that great? And they hadn't won. And then he won the preliminary final. Mm. But you could feel that the blokes all went, oh, pressure's off. Pressure's like off. Now. Pressure's yeah. off. 
Meaning they, they still Same know on. what they have to do. Yeah. They still have to do all the stuff. But the, the but press is right. just let's just enjoy it. Mm. This week is going to be a different week than you've ever had because mm. of all enjoy these it. things. Now just go and enjoy it. It was uh, quite amazing, mm. quite very, but very brave because it, like a lot of the old coaches in the old, they oh, never said, "Oh, look, these blokes are they ready for this? Well, what are we going to do? We're going to get the maximum out of this week." <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you know. Yeah. It'll work. It'll happen. Yeah. And they got this far because they're good. Successful. Right. Someone would have grabbed that and said, possibly. Well, you know, yeah, quite Damien, possibly. I hear yeah. you. You know, why didn't you give yeah, it you a record? Yeah, you, you let him off the hook. I might have said he was a bit too low key. <laughs> yeah. but, but the whole thing in that isn't it, especially with your blokes that are yeah, well paid and got all this them. money. Yeah. It's still got to be fun. Yeah, it's yeah, right. Well, well, that's exactly that's, right, the, yeah. that's the most crazy thing in it. And when it stops being fun for you as a coach, I stepped away from the Australian program for a bit last year. You know, I got anxiety with trying to work with um, the program and the powers that be and stuff, feeling micromanaged from the get-go. And mm. I said, I can't, <laughs> I can't be me. And the girls knew it. They could see through it. And the stress was building. And, you know, just said, you know, Mom, this has to stop, you know. So, um, so you had to step away. And then I invited, I ended up getting my assistant coach took over, who was wonderful and more than capable. And then um, she invited me back at the end, you know, to come back in and, and be a part of it. And the girls were up for that, you know. Yeah. Um, but it was that refresher because you couldn't coach to your ability and I knew it. I didn't want to let them down, but I was letting them down more by being there. Um, so that was really hard to do, but it was really necessary and taught me a new. Well, there's, there's always, there's a talk now about, you know, like clearly, um, most elite athletes are very well conditioned, that sort of thing. Mm. But all the pressure that seems to be on at most, at all levels, mm. the real thing that I suppose teams are gaining advantage from is mental well-being, mental health and well-being. And and you speak about how you know Damien came in and, and said that sort of mm. uh, thing about we've already won to take the pressure off. I suppose in a way it was part of that advantage of going. All that pressure's heaped on people from if they, you know, read media articles or hear, listen to what's being said on social media and all that. If they're listening to all that rather than going, Damien's already said to us, we've done amazing thing. The process, exactly. as you mentioned, Sue. And he wouldn't, so, he wouldn't tell us that if we're not good enough. Exactly. exactly. That's the other exactly. difference. Mm. Mm, it's true. Exactly right. So is that part of your mantra, I suppose, with coaching Sue with... You know that mental health and you know oh, keep you know like sure i mean yeah. you know it's just such an important mm. part of today's world and just at a we were out with friends the other night and we were um talking about you know i think some of the changeover of players at football and one of the players came up you know the name came up that well, didn't he have some mental health issues and stuff and it's just so and jess and i were talking about it you know isn't it's just great mm. that it's not perfect but that you can say it and he's still playing football and athletes are still, I have a step away and no one's thinking I'm a total nutcase. Or, mm. Do you know what I mean? We're all far more understanding and, and getting an understanding of, you know, gee, people who live really good lives and, you know, shouldn't be feeling anxious and are loved and got a great roof over their head, and, but they do. Mm. You know, they, and, and it's, it's incredible. I know I felt it. I know when you get up in the morning there's this, that whatever you want to call a black dog or yeah, you don't know why but well jeez yeah. you're just in tears and you just think oh it's, come on get your act together and it's easy for people to say oh you? I, I've got nothing I had nothing to really over dramatise myself about but I did mm. and I am a perfectionist I mean I do yeah. you know want things to be just right and then when you know so 
there's a, there's an element of that. But with your players too, you know, like I've had girls that have come and they're balancing their shift workers, nurses and stuff, and they'll be in the Australian camp and they're trying to make a team. They've come straight from night because yeah. they're just not doing it. And they'll just break down and I'm like, I'm really, I'm like, just go, it's not going to stop you from making the team. Go home and have a sleep. Mm. Come back, you know. Yeah, yeah. And we, you know, have more access to a team psych, you know. But we don't get that benefit without them paying or I try to, you know, meet yeah, someone. That's, that's the crazy like part. Them, these, these professionals, they, they, they don't have no, all those yeah. issues, but they still, you still have the anxiety. So, of course. Know, or you can still have Well, it just goes... But, and but it's performance anxiety. It's it is. What you expect of yourself, isn't it? I yeah. Suppose. And it's like, I mean, I know I've, what I've read, you know, you've I love the Resilience Project and I love what, yeah, all exactly. that they stand yeah. for, you know. Yeah. Um, and I love how Hugh goes about it. Not yeah. that I know him, but I talk about him like that because I go to all these things and see what else, new stories yeah, about Dusty or whoever else. But yeah. he's so human and it's so simple, that whole empathy, gratitude, mindfulness. And mm. we do forget to be grateful for what we have. And, and you're not good at it. You know it. I know I know it, but I'm not always good at it still. But trying to give those tips to your athletes mm. is really important. And they're the connections. And I say to them, look, you might like this stuff, but if you look at it and when you are feeling it maybe have a think about that then that might help you i'm not strong enough i'm not a psych but do see them like let's be open on all that stuff oh, yeah, so yeah. that we can do you reckon you know, those do you reckon hugh's ever been to canberra do you reckon he could fix up a few <laughs> i think I, I, yeah i know hugh tours around australia no i don't mean I've, canberra the place it. i mean parliament house yeah yeah <laughs> hugh from the resilience project i've met him i've Forget his last name, but yeah, he is. He's, Colin, he's, very good. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think even the stuff that we're talking about today is is so relevant in schools, mm-hmm. uh, outside of schools, and you know, coming back to what we were talking about at the start with uh, influential figures, so sports mm-hmm. people talking about this stuff, it trickles down. Mm-hmm. So you know, like for people who are you know not elite sports people, mm-hmm. there's still that talk of you know like getting these basics into place and talking about these things is just as important as it as it is at an elite mm. sporting level and i know i had a friend the other night who was sort of saying oh you know but why is it now why is everyone now you know all of a sudden got this anxiety or you know i'm like well have they is have it they just... been on the roads lately huh? those people they try to drive <laughs> lately it's true everybody gets angry yeah. do you know what it's true yeah. it's come out and some people are going to take the with that and they're going to milk it dry or but you know most people aren't going to want to still come out and say that they've you know but i, you but know, I think suffering from a black dog or can't you know want to get out of bed and things yeah. i think if we look back and, and it's too far for us to see but to look back we had there were a couple of world wars there were a lot of mm. stuff so i reckon there was an enormous amount of mm. mental health issues that were just no one yeah, said sure. naught about yeah. because it kind of wasn't accepted. And you know, oh, what are we going to do with that? Oh, so I, I don't think there's much doubt that it's it's much. It seems more prevalent now because yeah. we're saying to everyone, look, it's okay. It's okay. Talk get about it. We can help you. We health. want to help you. Yeah. Just get help. Do you, do you find the guys actually now are using more the sports oh, site, not much, for anxiety, but much, just in the process much, of winning much more and now than ever. you know how much they go more. about their business and yeah, the whole so. yoga and. You but there's still um, you'll still find that. Particularly, you know, our cohort—they're all young men between eighteen and thirty something. They're, they're unlikely to say, oh, "I'm not feeling well." So they—you you still have to—we still have to work with them, but they're much more likely to do it. And they—they do do a lot more on the on the simple mindfulness in terms of helping them their performance and playing. Um, but some of that uh, does stretch towards uh, mental health issues that they need. So, and they're. 
in fact, I spent a fair bit of time this morning with our psych working out how we can make her more accessible mm. so to, rather than they think that there's something wrong with me, therefore I've got to go and see her. <laughs> yeah, so so we've got to work for it. Oh, well, yeah, I, don't, no, no, but I don't think they do that because I think they trust us enough to know that that's not yeah. an issue. Well, I think Good. they do at our, our club. Mm. But but it's still they don't trust themselves to have to show, oh, yeah, well, I'm struggling, maybe mm. I won't get a game, maybe they'll think yeah, I'm, that, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So there's still a lot of work to do with them, but we're far, far better than we what, ever who, were. What would have happened in your day? Oh, actually, I can remember. I, went back, I was given a book. You had a guru. What was his oh, name? Oh, that was after me. Yeah. Oh. Um, what was his name? The uh, West Indian guy. Yeah. Um, Rudy. Yeah, Rudy, Rudy. Webster. Yeah. Well, when we had a just, just yeah, context. Was. That was in the eighties. <laughs> after at Richmond. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. After, after I left in seventy nine. So. That was yeah, yeah. But he was. I think he was. Yeah, he'd hypnotise you with his bowling ball eyes, I reckon. But <laughs> no, no, he was a terrific person. He was a, he? He was a cricketer, a very good cricketer. But yeah, he was a really bright guy. Cricket's a cruel cricket. is a yeah. mental game. That's, that's yeah, mental. they're all mental. There games, was, yeah, right? but um, no. And I do remember I did. I was feeling a bit crook once. Had a headache about something, and I think I might have been anxious. I think anxious about going to get a game or not. Think and you I just back now? yeah. And again, I took a couple of days off and someone gave me a book to relief without drugs or something I remember reading it and I thought what the hell is this about and then I was okay but clearly clearly I was a bit so concerned about yeah. you know, performance we probably but that was I was quite young then but about on time I've got a few questions for you Sue but just talking about literature you know now for it, mental health and well-being um, there's books galore you know you go to a bookstore and there's a book about this you know and they're not self-help like wanky self-help books they're actually you know, really honest and authentic books mm. to read. But back then, was it just, you know, your classic? Well, I, I can remember. It was, it was called, well, no, I think it was a reasonable book. It talked yeah. about relief without drugs was relaxing, was, was, it didn't actually talk about meditation, but that's kind of what it was implying, you know, settle down. Da, 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 da. So it was, um, it wasn't wanky, but it was, yeah, I can't remember the bloke who wrote it. Right. Anyway, it doesn't well, matter. Yeah. Uh, no, no, obviously yeah, helped. I've never, no, never yeah, had a problem yeah, since. The, yeah, just reminds <laughs> me. In terms of what I've been reading, I read one um, first, We Make the Beast Beautiful. Um, and, oh, her name escapes me. She wrote the uh, the book about the no sugar diet. Oh, Wilson. Oh. Yes, yeah, Sarah, yeah, Sarah Wilson. Wilson. And that, like, I remember reading that and you know, I went into it going, I got it recommended by about 15 different people told me about it, about mm. anxiety. And... I remember reading the first few pages thinking, oh, this will be a big, big one. But it was probably the, one of the most helpful books I've ever read. Mm. And there's so, many, there's so much of that out, now, yeah. out there now. That just, what you said yeah, before, reminds me of... Anyway, this has been a, a glorious conversation. Uh, but I, we finished the show with, with a few questions. Not of me. For, no, for oh. you. Yeah, yeah. Thank, yeah. Again, thank you so much, Sue. And your daughter, Jessica, is in the, uh, in the studio as well. She thank is. you, Jess. But just to, uh, just to finish off the show... Um, I've got a few questions. Okay. What do you fear? What do I fear? Oh, that's funny. That's probably pretty easy. I have this ridiculous fear. It's not nothing to do with sport or anything. Of being, <laughs> of being put in jail <laughs> and being innocent. Right, yes. Do you want to be innocent or being put in jail? I don't like being innocent. You don't like that boogie board. You know, like, yeah, that somehow, somehow, <laughs> yeah, well, someone said if you're travelling and you just... And, oh, I don't know, I can't do, do watch, watch Wentworth. Watch or, I'll stop and I'll say, watch show, and I'm, the girls will say, what are you watching? When I started, someone said Wentworth was, the new Wentworth was really good. I'm like, they said Wentworth, and I'm like, what are you watching that for? You hate jails. Like, and, I'm, <laughs> and it just spun me out. Like, I just yeah. can't. It's ridiculous. 
it's sort of right. Have you ever watched uh, Banged Up Banged Up Abroad? No. Oh, don't watch that. No. If, you, if you've got a fear <laughs> of that, that is that is shocking. What oh. was, there was a, there was a movie when I was a kid that yeah put the fear of God in you when you were going to travel. That that right, I think it yeah. was cool. But yeah, no, that's it. There's not, I think that's pretty much all I fear. Uh, what do you hope for? I hope for that she doesn't go to jail. <laughs> Isn't that well, ridiculous? I'd not pretty go to jail. universal. Be pretty um, what I hope for. Oh, gee, you know, you're getting getting older. It's all the cliche stuff, isn't it? You know, you want your kids to be healthy and live a great life, and mm. um, you know, it's, it's that's it. And and you know, us to be well, John and I, and our family and friends, and you know, just live a nice life. Doesn't have to be a wealthy, ridiculous life, but mm. everyone's having are good in what they're doing, pursuing their dreams and, you know, um, yeah, we're all healthy and well and can have some good laughs and good company. Sim- similar vein, uh, what makes you happy? Oh, probably all that. Yeah. Yeah, I, love, <laughs> I love a wine. I love, a, love sitting with friends and having a glass of champus or more and um, cool. good food and, yeah, don't mind a party, you know. We're known for <laughs> our bar dives at Newport if we win premierships and things, you know. So, um, yeah, no, just... just yeah, definitely being with family and watching them happy and grow and good mates. Can't be better. What makes you sad? Oh, gee, I'm a bit of a crier. Yeah. Despite Same. being an athlete. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, what makes me sad? Yeah, injustice. It makes me angry. I mean, I really, I get really pissed off with, I hate seeing injustice to people and yeah. um, that really makes me sad and angry, you know, um, what's happening with the refugees and stuff. Mm. It's just awful mm. with those kids. and That whole stuff, it just makes me... So I am good at getting on my high horse yeah. and some of that stuff. <laughs> and, yeah, annoy people. But yeah, it makes me sad and angry that, yeah, I hate injustice, unfairness. Who do you think is the... the uh, who do you think is the most positive influencer in the world today? Mm. It's not Kanye. <laughs> it's not Donald. Um could be the answer to the next question, I reckon. Yeah. Gee. <laughs> Who's the most positive influence in the world? From your point of view, of course. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't ask me that because I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. yeah, that's a tough one. I'm Phelps not a, I don't know enough about here. Yeah, I don't know enough about the Dalai Lama and, you know, world peace. And mm. I'm not religious. Yeah. Even though I'm worked at a Catholic school. Um, <laughs> you know, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, someone who's out there working really hard for world peace and it's not a uh, Miss Could World. Be Hugh. It's not Miss World. Oh, I love Hugh. Yeah, it was someone of those, those yeah. people. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. Those people that are doing great yeah. stuff on that scale are, are really helping. You know, that's a very good point. Thanks. It's Hope great, Hugh hears that's that because I yeah. do love him. I've never met him. <laughs> we'll try and get him in here one day. Right? We will. Yeah. Uh, what about the most, the most negative, <laughs> the most negative influencer in the world today? Oh. It's been a hundred percent strike rate for a certain someone. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. You can't go past him, can you? You don't even have to breath his name. It's just mind blowing, really, what he does. Who is his hairdresser anyway? It's yeah. I want to know. How does he even? Yeah. Well, it just continues. And the, the sad thing is, is that in the US, the, he's, the economy's gone up, and you know bits and pieces like that that they care most about hmm. than. How cheaper he behaves and cheaper cheap electricity, people you see? and uh, yeah. cheaper electricity. It is, yeah. <laughs> Donald. Mm. Uh, what album or book would accompany your life story? Accompany my life story. My favourite 
album Mole Times Carol King's Tapestry oh, like most women oh, of my time. Did you go and no. see her when she was here a couple of years ago? Was it at uh, the oh. plenary? Yeah. Yeah, we were there too. It's just, brilliant. She's just, just brilliant, wasn't she? Yeah, so I don't about my life, but uh, you know, yeah. you've got a friend. I yeah. sing it word for course, word with yeah. my friends, you know. Yeah, no. Um, you know, the greatest sob in the song she wrote too about women's sport from a league of their own about now and forever. I don't know if you ever read the words of that, but as a woman in sport, because it was written about women's sport. Um, right. Back then, it really is about, did we miss the good times? Didn't we play together? Didn't we come together? Did we miss the tears and the laughter? I'll start crying. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, yeah. She's wonderful. Right. Yeah, yeah she's very good. Well done. Um, the last book, film or album that kept you th- thinking for weeks? Oh, gosh, I just saw A Star Is Born with Jess on the weekend. And yeah. I, I pulled out the album that I've got at home because I do love my little daggy record player um, with Chris Christopherson and Barbara Streisand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was playing it before I came I here. Uh, right, right. Watch, watch closely now yeah, by John Howard and Speedway. Yeah. <laughs> watch closely now. Uh, Will's mother saw um, this, the show with Georgia the other night and she hasn't... Shut up talking about how wonderful oh, Lady Gaga was. Oh just my the God, scene. she's incredible. Her voice was amazing. And it yeah. sounds like she was actually living the star as born yeah. because she'd never acted before and he was doing that role, you know, so behind yeah. the scenes. But, um, yeah, that, oh, was, that, that was great, you know. Uh, yeah. Finally, a, a recommendation of any sort, uh, food, wine, whatever, from your hometown, which I'm presuming the West. We're talking about the West. West is best. Well, you've got to have mussels. Like, no, wind, well, the Port Phillip Bay, I love mussels. My dad was mm. a fisherman and... I grew up down at, um, at um, Parsons Marina, which is now, oh, what's it been called now? It's changed the name. It used to be the Anchorage Restaurant, you know, down there? Oh, yes. So yeah, Dad yeah. used to lay yeah. all the moorings and stuff down there. So he used to bring in the oh, mussels and cook them up. Oh, um, so, yeah, I still, yeah, I love mussels from Willie. And the Willie Footy Club have that saying. Have you ever heard that, Neil? What's that? Where do we come from? Weinstown. What do we sleep on? Seaweed. We don't say, I'm being very delicate <laughs> the way I'm saying this. <laughs> what do we sleep on? Seaweed. What do we eat? Mussels. How do we eat them? Alive. Did we win? We shit it in. You know, I went down to Williamstown recently with my six-year-old granddaughter and I had a kite and we flew a kite. And did you know it was windy at Williamstown? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's windy. <laughs> it's the best place in the world to fly a kite. I can tell you. Really <laughs> yes, just How behind it. Just... <laughs> yeah, I know. We saw, the, I think, the, on the footy... The footy show was where they had that goal of the year, what the oh, footy yeah, legends yeah, thing. Yeah. There was one that they kicked at one of the play oh, of the year yeah. where they kicked. I went back yeah, over the stage. It's totally classic, anyway. Yeah, to go yeah. to go circular. I was down there watching the, the mighty Q Bears women's side play their prelim final against Melbourne Uni in the Vaffa Premier, and it was. Windy. Is <laughs> <laughs> it Williamstown? Yeah. You don't have to say that. Just say uh, it was Williamstown. We know it was Williamstown. Yeah, right, right, right. Great place. To live. <laughs> Great place. Anyway, Western suburbs for now. You know. I am actually. Yeah, West West is best. But, but uh, so it's been, you know, just wonderful. Yeah, it's been you fantastic. In for a thank conversation, you. and Neil, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah it's been terrific. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, lovely. lovely. I'll thank speak you. to you. Listen to you again sometime soon, <laughs> listeners out there. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>